Paz, Slavo, how are you this evening? It's very nice out. I'm doing well in your bedroom. <laughs> we are recording out of my bedroom. I'm in my bed, sprawled <laughs> across. Paz is sitting in a chair, gazing upon me Yeah, across the room. It's Quite the view. Great. This is my ideal podcast recording situation here. <laughs> I have a quote related to our podcast guest today. Benito Mussolini. Benito Mussolini. I just tried to say that in a more Italian way, and it sounded exactly oh, the on. same. Come on, you got, a, you got a better. It Benito exactly Mussolini. <laughs> You're Italian. You you have the ability to Everyone really put the romance in uh, in the names. Benito Mussolini. I like that. That was good. Pretty good. What do you What do you want to say? This is the quote. Fascist education is moral, physical, social, and military. It aims to create a complete and harmoniously developed human, a fascist one, according to our views. Damn. <laughs> Sounds like a cult. <laughs> Sounds like a cult. I read that. And I was like, this guy is intense. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's, yeah, fucking, let's do it. Let's get right into it. Let's talk about fascism fascism and he was the founder he was like the creator of fascism he like invented it yeah and so they were known to be pretty violent the fascists partly i think this may be the case was because a lot of them were former veterans of uh world war one mm-hmm. and so they have these skills of violence or aggression whatever you want to call them yeah and there were a lot of battles between the fascists and the socialists and the communists on the streets and, and such. All the is going after each other. And maybe we can back it up a little bit mm-hmm. as far as the um, environment in which the fascists exist, where yeah. we are. So that, I think that's so important because the fascist Nazi Germany, like what was the environment that led to these leaders, Mussolini and Hitler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's set the stage. Mussolini, not really a major factor. He's just kind of a, he's kind of a, a, a socialist person at this point. Mm-hmm. But journalist. The- he's in a big, like, Avante, I believe, is the name of the journal, and, and he's a socialist journal. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of in the lead-up. This is, here we are in in the the 19 knots in the 19 teens and we're in Italy we're in the lead up to world war 1 world war 1 is of course fought between the the central powers and it's slipping my mind what the allies were called in world war 1 they weren't called that they were called something else whatever they were called should we do a quick google <laughs> <laughs> i i knew this off the top of my head but i forgot it I'm going to move on while you Google it. Yeah. They, so Italy is on the Allied side of World War I, the World War I conflict. Yeah, that's, it says uh, the Allies of World War I or Entente powers. Ah, the Entente. Yes. That was, but, that was the know, word I was thinking of. The, the regular, I mean, you know, France, Britain, Russia, Italy, and Japan. So in the lead up to this, we've got Mussolini here who – Growing up was a socialist. He came from a socialist family. Mm-hmm. 
his dad was a was an active socialist person very active in fact Mussolini was named after other revolutionaries so his dad was so adamant about socialists that this was this is what he named his child it was uh benito juarez from mexico that was mm-hmm. who he was named after yep and so we're heading into world war world war one mussolini he was born in what 1883 he's in his uh mid-30s at this point and his kind of whole life was a culmination going into world war one this was the World War One was kind of the turning point for Mussolini. Very much so, yeah. In that he started out as a socialist. Mm-hmm. When he was 18, he went to Switzerland yep. to avoid being inscripted into the Italian army, mandatory service in Italy. He left as opposed to doing he that. did not want to join the army by any means. He did not want to fight a war that you know, wasn't for the people, but the people, the workers, mm-hmm. when one's dying. He, he did not want that at that age when he was 19-ish or whatever. Goes to Switzerland, becomes a learned individual. Very learned. Knew many languages. Later on when he would talk to Hitler, they would talk in German. He knew French. He knew Italian. Not what you would expect. This is not what I expected in, in the lead yeah. up. When I was thinking Mussolini, I was thinking kind of Hitler, Hitler light, so to speak. Yep. Similar. Absolutely. I was I had that same phrase, <laughs> Hitler light. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. And and maybe not as organized, not as brilliant, mm-hmm. but Mussolini was pretty brilliant. He was well respected in journalistic circles. Yeah, as a journalist, well respected in academics, he did pretty well. He got good marks. He was a very successful journalist, very well read on all these different government political philosophies. Yeah. So he's in Switzerland. His dad was a blacksmith. He does some blacksmithing in Switzerland. A lot of odd jobs. A lot of odd jobs. Never really holds anything down. Is Goes into the Italian socialist movement in Switzerland. Kind of becomes an active member there. Mm-hmm. Eventually comes back to Italy. Yeah. Does his service because I think the way that it worked was he was supposed to be arrested, but they said that people could come back to Italy with no punishment if they yeah. kind of dodged their yeah. military service. A, the first and a lot around. of people were leaving Italy at the time, a, a lot for economic reasons as well. There weren't a lot of jobs. but So he comes back, he does his military service, and he becomes kind of a socialist leader. And this is all in the early 19-teens. It's, it's really not reminiscent of all, at all of like what you think about Mussolini. Yeah. What most people know about Mussolini is obviously the the world wars being essentially a dictator and being on the wrong side, <laughs> the very, very wrong side of World War II. Which he was. <laughs> we will get to that. He totally was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, yes. <laughs> we can dig into how kind of poorly he did on that front, but. Yeah. And then World War One was kind of this big turning point for him. Mm-hmm. In that he is one of the leading members of the Socialist Party. And the Socialist Party says Italy should not intervene in World War I. Yep. And somewhere in here, and this is what I tried to do some research to figure out why he made this decision. Because he kind of gave up a lot of his socialist values. And 
this was kind of this kind of was the the point that it kind of felt like the where fascism as a political ideology was mm-hmm. born was in this lead up to World War One. Some of the country wanted to intervene against the central powers. Mm-hmm. Some of the, the socialists did not. They decided as a party that they were not going to. Yep. Mussolini kind of zagged when his party zigged. Yeah, this was the huge turning point where he wanted Italy to be involved in the war, thought it would lead to great things for Italy. He himself, then he goes and enlists. Mm-hmm. And, and this is uh, World War One, And this kind of leads to the, the whole other movement we're talking about where it's it's a it's a big split he ends up he goes to war he gets wounded he's in the trenches yes in the trenches returns home and then you get this fascist movement eventually where a lot of them are ex-military people so they like someone like Mussolini who's saying we need to do war to make us better to make Italy more pronounced on the world stage and this, this resonates with a lot of his fellow members who, who were a part of the war. Yeah. Yeah, which is, this, at this point, he's been kicked out of the Socialist Party. And he's kind of uh, creating a groundswell of support in other areas. Yeah. And, and he's, like we're saying, he was a big writer. He was very political. So he had... Yeah, he was the he was the editor for the leading socialist newspaper, and yeah. then when he left the socialist party, he just created a new newspaper. Yeah, Popolo di Italia was the new journal he published, and this leads. Okay, so they get this fascist party, and now they're warring with the socialists, mm-hmm. and it gets very violent. And this was later on when I think the fascists were really gaining momentum, but they burned down the Avanti newspaper where Mussolini used to be. I even believe there was four deaths. Really? I didn't know that. That's interesting. I can't say I'm surprised. Seems exactly like something that would happen. Mm -hmm. So this is, yeah, and this is kind of after, well, I mean, Italy ends up intervening in World War I. So then after the fact, Mussolini kind of just went like full bore against socialists. And basically it was kind of, it was like a heel turn Mm because he was one of the leading socialists. And then he... And he was such a gifted orator and he, and yeah. he was such a gifted writer. And then all of a sudden he turned heel. He joined the military. He went mm-hmm. and fought in the war. The war ended. Mm-hmm. And then I think he just kind of capitalized on all this. Very much so. And changed it to, I guess we could talk about what fascism is in general. Because yeah. you hear fascist and you, and you think oppression, I think, is something that I think about. Yeah. But fascism is... Yeah. Not necessarily that. No. And and so one of the, and I saw some quote from someone who studies fascism. They were like, the toughest thing about studying fascism is not knowing how to define fascism. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like a cop out. Yeah, definitely sounds like a cop out. But no, one of their big, big things is nationalism Mm. and pride of the nation and kind of the dominance of the nation. Yeah, putting the nation first. Yeah. Which is kind of the big 
difference between fascism and socialism in a lot, or one of the big differences is that in socialism, you're kind of putting the people first and the people first equally in fascism. They don't necessarily think that they it's about putting the nation first and people are not necessarily treated equally. And this was something that it kind of makes it not surprising that Mussolini kind of developed this ideology is because one of his issues with socialism was this idea that all people are created equal. Because yeah. he did not think that. He did not think he was equal to anyone. <laughs> he thought he believed in the aristocratic, oligarchical style. Yeah. Where you have the, you have the people at the top who are smart and they know what needs to be done. Yeah. And then you have all the other people and they yeah. fall in line. Yeah. So if we want to know what is fascism, let's go to the words of the founder himself. And this is, he wrote an article talking about what fascism is so first line i have here from mussolini fascism stood for the supremacy of the state (laughs) great (laughs) that's good yeah and he's saying the state composed of many individuals in the holes greater than the part and so the individuals can only realize full potential by serving the state which he just so happens to be the leader of (laughs) yeah exactly and really and and i will say that it's one of the core tenets is that he needs to be the leader (laughs) again again this is like a it's very cult-like like we're all in this together we're like being enlightened i can feel the groundswell i don't know if the listeners can feel it There's a growing groundswell towards fascism in this podcast right now where Mussolini's kind of getting his hooks into the, into the country of Italy. Yeah. And, and I will say like, obviously Mussolini benefited a lot in terms of the fame, which he grew to really love in the power, Mm. but he wasn't super wealthy. At no point was money the super big deal to him. In fact, he had this like prestigious editor job and he offered to take half of what they were paying. But but he definitely like took advantage of the power and fame. Yeah, I think I think money was never a driver for yeah for Mussolini. It was more influence. Yeah. Okay. And then so continuing on, what is fascism from the founder himself? Fascism was against democracy and democratic lies. And a lot of people at this time were very against democracy and capitalism. Kind of just let's let things play themselves out because. There's this huge depression that happened mm. and people were like, this is the result of capitalism. Yep. And then, and also just the kind of the sentiment that in a, in a democratic society, nothing really gets done and it's just kind of slow moving and yeah. it's yeah. just not very yeah. uh, forward progressing. And that's what, and Mussolini would say that as well. In tough times, you need simple things done. So you can't have this slow, big democratic process. You need a leader who's going to direct things. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, and now, continuing on what Mussolini says about fascism, only war can bring out the maximum, (laughs) sorry, only war can bring out the maximum expression of human energy and print marks of nobility on the people. So he's kind of saying, like, this is kind of his four-war attitude. It brings out the nobility of the people of Italy. Okay. And, And we'll see this later on, where he's, like, very much, refers to the Roman Empire and wanting Italy to be this great empire. Yep. And then I I like this part too, because he was very anti-religion at a younger age. His mom was very Catholic, but he was very anti-religion. Didn't officially get married because it had to be like approved by the church and the state, which he opposed. Mm -hmm. He says fascism supported religion in general, 
and then he like specifically made a shout out to Catholicism. So do you think he cares about Catholicism at all? Or do you think he just did that strategically because the Vatican is in Rome? I think that Catholicism, he cared nothing about. Like all of these, I think you could argue, like, did he really care about the state helping the individual be better through the state? Probably not either. But for sure, the Catholicism, he was so against it Mm -hmm. for so long. But then like they just had so much power in Italy and he kind of needed their approval. And the way that I kind of think that (laughs) the more I read about him, the more, and I mean, it's impressive from a, from a feat standpoint, but Mm -hmm. it feels like as a, as a kid, he grows up, his dad's a socialist. Mm -hmm. He is really, he follows in his father's footsteps as a blacksmith, but isn't very good at it. It doesn't, it's not really a calling to him. Mm -hmm. He finds a calling in socialism. And then all of a sudden, in what happens to be a very opportune time, he abandons his entire political ideology, Mm -hmm. develops a completely different political (laughs) ideology, and then gears the entire political ideology to then bend to his will. Yeah. It just kind of feels like fascism is born out of one person finding a way to consolidate power for themselves. Yeah, exactly. And I think you're, you're so right where his passion wasn't socialism. It wasn't fascism. His passion was just like being this supreme leader, being a cult leader. Yeah. That was clearly his passion. Yeah, and he went, he went up in the Socialist Party, but then the so, he got to the point in the Socialist Party yeah. that he had ideas and they didn't agree with him. He was like, okay, I'm going to go start my own party. Yeah, he went from anti-war to we need war to show the supremacy of like our people. Anti-war, avoided war, avoided yeah. being in the army, and yeah. then w- war became one of his core tenets. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then so the last thing I have to say, and this is exactly what we're talking about, with what he says about fascism, again, his words translated, fascist state sought power and domination and create an empire – because the expansion of a nation is an expression of its vitality. Which is just preposterous. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I, yeah, I mean... And this it, is... All right, it, maybe it's not preposterous, but it's so just... He's basically just saying the results that he, like, he's, like, really, really good things. Vitality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And then he exactly. just says, like, things he wants to do, and then mm-hmm. he says the things that he wants to do are necessary. Yeah. He wants to expand, so he just yeah. says expansion is necessary. Yeah. I, I think he very much wants to kind of be the Julius Caesar, and he wants, like, Rome was so, you know, they had so much vitality. They expanded because they had the dominant ideas and the dominant military, and, like, he wants to be that strong leader at all costs. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, getting back to, like, why did that resonate people with people at that time? I think because you're in the – I think it's because economically it's a tough sure. yeah. period. And I think you're coming in and out of World War One, mm-hmm. And I think people just want something to, like, get behind. Exactly. I think there's definitely – And then the, capital, the capitalizing on this just continues. And mm-hmm. so after World War One, then the fascist party in Italy is – is born and then um so it's just kind of like the black shirts 
Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just, it was like a paramilitary group. It's is almost how I exactly. describe it. When we were talking about them battling the socialists, these were like street battles where people would show up armed, but the socialists were very ad hoc, having, as he said, cowardly random attacks. The, the black shirts, which are the fascists, that's what they wore. They were like military. They were marching. They, they had like routines. <laughs> yeah, they... And you and you can kind of just feel like coming out of World War One, the like the, yeah. the party's kind of born out of all these returning soldiers, and they are just kind of saying, "All right, we won the war, and now mm -hmm. we're going to win our country, and we're going to yeah, exactly. And then what are we going to win? And yeah. then so what do they do? They march. They thirty thousand people. Yep. In nineteen twenty-two, thirty thousand people gather in Rome, march to the where the prime minister is. Mm -hmm. And they told him to resign. Yeah. This is, by all means, a revolution. And they're marching to Rome. And, you know, the king is assembling the military. But the thing is, the military is on their side. There were places where the military was literally supplying the fascist weapons. Because mm -hmm. their ideas, they resonated with these people. They knew these people. And so it got to a point where the king talk to his advisors and they were like, we think a civil war can happen. You know, we think like 30% of the soldiers are on your side. And, and so the King of Italy grants Mussolini prime minister. Yeah. Which is interesting because the King is, the King is the absolute power kind of at the top. Yeah. Like they said down the line that the King was the only person that could like actually fire Mussolini. Not yeah. that he would, yeah. but it was just interesting seeing, the king's opinion like the, oh the king was happy with yeah. this and that and it's like okay so this guy's just not doing anything <laughs> yeah but he's well, just I, sitting there yeah. and i think it's like i think a lot of europe went from the king's having a ton of power to that change certainly by the early 1900s so like the king had power it wasn't like in the medieval times mm -hmm. but it's, it wasn't as weak as like maybe the the royal power now in the uk where like they can't really do shit yeah um, it, yeah, that was what was interesting was that he almost had more power than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he becomes prime minister, and then over the next however many years, it's typical dictator stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just one by one, kind of the laws change, and one by one, the political enemies are secretly murdered. <laughs> yeah. And there's like, like, there's like a secret police. Secret police. You name it, they, they, they had. Yeah, yeah. He pretty quickly set up, I don't think they called this, but martial law, where like in a time of emergency, like the supreme leader gets these extended powers. Yeah, I think it's the way that the law worked was it was for like a year or something like that, that the prime minister could take basically absolute power for a year in mm -hmm. case of emergency. And he basically just immediately <laughs> took absolute power. Speaking of these like, signs of a dictator mm. maybe our first segment we're gonna give examples of when people are you know it's a sign they're a dictator i will go first do you do you have stuff i do or, have stuff for this okay. so do we want to we maybe just go back and forth yeah yeah I'll, I'll start all right you might be a dictator if there is no end date in sight for your term like if you're just the leader until further notice you might be a dictator it's like putin 
<laughs> like when and, is Putin's turn up? Turn I know. Up? And even Putin, it's like he switches. And we, we got to be careful. What we say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It ain't worth it. No. Hey, you, hey, wait. wait uh, just disclaimer: We have nothing against Russia. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We're just we're we're trying to keep it down the middle with this podcast. <laughs> so we're just everything that we're saying is in jest. Don't worry about it. Don't just yeah. Don't I don't want to I don't want to like drink a soup and die because we said bad things about Putin. Yeah, exactly. So we might have to cut this out. Might have to cut this out. Okay. That's a good one. No end date that you might yeah. have a dictator if there's no end date. So mine is you might be a dictator if you just spontaneously change or have changed your name and title. <laughs> that's, that's so true. So if you go from prime minister to like supreme chancellor, <laughs> You might be a dictator. Yeah, absolutely. All right. You might be a dictator if you look right and there is someone trembling in fear who just wants to be on your good side and all the positions around your table were appointed by you. Mm. And you might be a dictator. Okay. You might be a dictator if you have secret police. <laughs> if your police Very are secret, so. then... Um, it's crazy how each time I think about this, I'm like, is this what's going on in the U.S. right now? Yeah, yeah. Each one of these, I'm like. Eh. Yeah. No, I had a, my a Russian coworker. He always said, like, when he lived in Russia, people said, you know, the walls have ears. And so while we're saying all these, like. <laughs> That's fun to think about. That's yeah. fun to think about. Like, all of these are the case for Mussolini, you know. There's no end date. He has a secret police. Years down the road. The fascist party kind of takes over the government. Initially, they just have a few, like, a few members of the chamber, I believe it's called. But ultimately, it just becomes all the fascist party, all people who are very much approved by Mussolini. Yeah, 100%. Um, is it my turn or your turn? Your turn. Okay. So this one, again, very much a Mussolini is you might be a dictator if, you know, like the news reporter has a – fake smile and only reports good things about you and they mm. the fascist regime they had warnings they would give to newspapers and if you received like two warnings they would shut you down and these warnings are like you know if you say something bad about Mussolini or fascism nice that's good <laughs> dictating the newspapers what they could say that's good okay so you might be a dictator if for whatever reason when you're in power your country almost exclusively focuses on building railroads <laughs> because every time it's like, yeah. it's like, Oh yeah, we want to build up the public sector. We want the railroads. Mm -hmm. We want the highway system. We want this and that. Yeah. And when really it's just to make it so you can mobilize your army faster <laughs> Yeah, and, and, it's, and yeah. have faster economies of larger economies of scale when it comes to building armaments. And you get, all of a sudden you have a reason for a huge cash flow going into the government. Mm. And it's like, you know, the private sector is all of a sudden a lot weaker when, you know, everyone's working for the government. If you're building railroads or yeah. whatever public works and Mussolini did that as well, of course, where he had a huge public works movement. Yeah. Which he kind of followed the Hitler model in some ways, as far as ways to, he had this thought about he was going to build up his army yeah. and then he was going to... Yeah, I mean, but who followed who when, you know, Mussolini was in power way before Hitler. But Hitler did it, like, to 
the extreme. Wow. Ch- chicken and chicken and the egg. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about Italy, and this is Mussolini. So Italy's population was like forty million people. Yeah. And Mussolini basically said, "I think to be able to fight a major war, yeah. we think we need our population to be at sixty million people." Yeah. So he made it. Am I right to say that he made it law that people had to have like double the kids or something like that? I don't know if he made it law. It it may be right, but he was very worried about the aging curve and he all of a sudden made it like abortion you can't do that like very against abortion he made it because he wanted more kids he made it illegal for you to like and again i I don't know the specific laws but he made it very difficult for you to emigrate to leave italy because he wanted people there and he wanted them to reproduce yeah he wanted to really really push and it was he kind of this weird thing about fertility like he thought that france he was like france is disgusting because they're an aging population dude he was so about this vital strong person where when uh fdr is in power and he's in a wheelchair mussolini's like he's just angry and upset at the world because like he's not vital. Yeah. Mussolini definitely was all about, he was just like, we need to be like making as many kids as possible. We need to just grow our country, grow, 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 grow. And then we're going to expand because, and he, it was almost like he needed to expand first. Like Mm -hmm. his reason for um, moving into North Africa was, and this is like, yeah, he did some pretty horrible stuff in North Africa. Yeah, early on when he yeah he went into Ethiopia and stuff, yeah. and yeah. and was like, well, we need this land for our population mm-hmm. because it's overcrowded in Italy. Yeah, and yeah, so Ethiopia, he that was his like conquest for Italy, mm-hmm. and they can they eventually controlled Ethiopia and he had like this famous line of his with like Ethiopia is Italian. And then everyone like erupted in cheers. And speaking of, you might be a dictator. One of the cheers I always said was El Duce, El Duce, which means the leader. So like when he would stand out on the podium, they would be like the leader. (laughs) That's great. But yeah, this Ethiopia, this was his Roman empire. They were starting to expand. Um, it created a lot of national pride in the country, but but uh, definitely, I mean, as is the case with war, horrible things happen. Yeah, they exterminated the population because Mussolini was racist, and he thought that there was tier systems between races. Yeah, and so he said, since they're not white in Ethiopia, that they can exterminate them to um, create space for themselves, which is yeah, and they they used. They were very racist, and once they had ruled, there was, you know, laws about interracial sex, all the, like, awful race stuff and, you know, not treating them anywhere close to equals. But they also, during war, they used chemical weapons, which had been banned um, after World War One. They used, like, what's it? Like, mustard gas? Mustard gas. That's horrible. Yeah. So I would almost say that I think there's – you can make an argument – that Italy invading Ethiopia set the stage for Germany losing the war. Yeah, I, I heard several historians make that 
same exact case where Hitler saw historian that- me historian <laughs> story paz a slaver over here <laughs> but several of them these so-called historians mm. no they, they were saying Hitler saw that Italy could do this and Britain and France you know they weren't cool with it but they weren't like doing anything about it and I mean, they obviously have their own colonies, so it's a little hypocritical, but they weren't doing anything about these, the mustard gas, all that, which I think broke some, like the Geneva Convention and one of those. And Hitler was like, okay, like they don't like it, but they're not going to do anything. And that kind of gave Hitler the idea for in the future when he would go into Austria and the Czech Republic and ultimately Poland and the war started. But Yeah. And so on that one hand, it kind of invigorates Hitler. And then on the other hand, it really weakens Italy. Oh, yeah. Add, they, Mussolini was convinced that it was going to cost them um, lear. Is lear, was that the currency? Sure. Six million lear. <laughs> We're going with lear. <laughs> um, he said it was going to cost them like four to six million lear to overtake Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. And it ended up costing like 40 million or something like that. And that forty million was what they had earmarked to modernize their military, and so they didn't. And they had been they had been taxing people, and they yeah. basically spent all this money to achieve this feat yeah. of and, controlling Ethiopia. Yeah, and this was it's something almost strange, at least our times now in America. Um, but back then, when wars happened they really called on the entire nation like world war two in world war two in America and all these countries, it was known that the entire country had to sacrifice where people, there was put on rations on how much, what people could buy. Uh, a lot of people obviously went to work for like Ford starts making armament. Mm-hmm. And, and so at this time it, with all this money that the Ethiopia war is causing, you know, the, Italian people as a whole kind of had to get behind this and contribute. They did, and the, and it wasn't. It just wasn't being done on the scale that it was in Germany or in England or in America. Yeah, and it just kind of foreshadowed the fact that Italy was just not going to be mm-hmm. a big player as yeah. much as the other countries were. They just didn't have that. Yeah, that manufacturing backing that mm-hmm. was going to get them. Yeah. And and during yeah, and during this time, like when, you know, Mussolini's trying to like prove the greatness of Italy and such, he did he they had a very strong air force, which was, you know, good for them geographically, I guess, but to the point where people thought it was the fourth strongest in the world. Mm. You know. It's good. So World War Two? Yeah. The Second World War? Mm-hmm. And I guess in, before this happens, it's like uh, Mussolini is seeing Hitler rise and initially isn't the biggest fan of Hitler. Yeah, that's an interesting thing is that he Mussolini does a lot of kind of positioning. Yeah. And Hitler is this growing force. But then when you look at World War I, Italy was on the other side. Yeah. So Italy had been working with France, had been working with England, mm-hmm. and they have all these pacts and treaties and stuff that they've yeah. Yeah. gone into yeah. with each other. Yeah. 
and Germany's breaking a lot of this stuff, doing a lot of things they don't like in the early on. Germany's like you know doing stuff in Austria, and it's like eh, they're not supposed to be doing that. But you know Mussolini's kind of towing that line of like because eh. the the similarities they have, they were both very nationalist, like countries supreme. Mm-hmm. So they had kind of similar regimes or governments. Yeah, and then the and then Italy was spending a lot of money in the Spanish Civil War, as well as uh, England was as well. So. They were kind of butting heads there. Mm-hmm. It felt like in the lead up, Hitler would just kind of like every opportunity he got, he would just kind of cozy up to Mussolini. Yeah. And yeah. just try to turn that tide a little bit. Yeah. Try to make yeah. Mussolini dislike France and dislike England mm-hmm. a little bit more. Yeah. And at, at this point, like before the war and everything, you know, Mussolini is this prominent leader and Hitler's kind of the up and up and comer and also worth worth mentioning like in Mussolini's early reign people were very like internationally complimentative of him Winston Churchill like mm-hmm. even praised for bringing the country together early on he was very well internationally almost respected yeah mm-hmm. yep he was definitely uh he was a cult of personality and he yeah and he kind of whipped Italy into shape so to speak yeah. but then it kind of the grumblings of, of what eventually would become World War II were happening. Yeah. And Mussolini was kind of weighing where he was going to, where he was going to position it in a way that basically that Italy land grabbed as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> and what I thought was interesting here was, okay, so we're in 1939. Mm-hmm. And this was when the the Pact of Steel happened, which was like the real big kind of alliance with between Germany and Italy. Mm-hmm. So Mussolini's advisors are telling him, they're like, we cannot fight like a major war for another three years. Yes, yes. So <laughs> because they just don't have the resources. Yeah. They don't have the guns. They don't have the tanks. They don't have the yeah. you name it. Yeah. And so Mussolini says this to Hitler. He's like, okay, let's enter into a pact together. Yeah. But don't start a war three years. Yeah. And no, there was a lot of written stuff by Mussolini where he is saying, like, he believes Italy's going to expand. He just had a slower time frame and was like, you know, we, you know, by this date, we'll have enough military prowess and all that type of stuff while hitler and this was like i like forget reading about this they expanded so fast yeah hitler was just like leaps and bounds ahead in germany were leaps and bounds ahead of italy yeah and so italy was like okay hitler like we we're gonna need germany to wait for us if we're gonna make this work yeah. And Hitler's like, yes, yes, of course. And then <laughs> I don't know how many months it was later, but that was when Hitler invaded Austria or Poland. Was it Poland? I mean, I, I believe that the chain of events was Austria, Czech Republic, Poland. And then when Poland happened, I believe that's when, you know, the, the allied powers were like, okay, this is too far. Yeah. And they declared war. Yeah. And this is in 1939. <laughs> so it was like nowhere near when Italy was ready to enter the war. Yeah. And then they, 
And then I think I was reading that basically Mussolini was worried. Germany was doing so well in the war early on. Yes. That Mussolini was worried that they were going to win it without Italy. And that if they won it without Italy, then he wouldn't have any, like, he wouldn't have the opportunity to kind of expand using the conflict. Yeah. So they just said, screw it. And they just joined. Yeah, exactly. And Mussolini made this argument to the king and, and to the people that they really need to get involved in this war if they were, you know, going to get any of the spoils and for Italy to play a dominant role on the world stage. Yeah. So, so Italy, so Italy jumps in and they're like, all right, we're going to go take down, we're going to go to North Africa. We're going to expand in North Africa and we're going to beat Britain there. And they win early on, but then they get like whooped in North Africa. Yeah. By Britain. And this was a, a theme. They would go, yeah, they'd go into Greece and Russia and Italy was just getting destroyed. Yeah, they would get destroyed and then Germany would come and like mop up after them. Yeah. And in North Africa, Germany came to mop up after Italy and then Germany ended up losing also in North Africa and had to surrender like 200,000 troops or something like that. Yeah. And so back home in Italy, now that they are getting on the side of, you know, the Nazis. It's not the side you want to be on. But so early on, one of Mussolini's complaints with Hitler was his, like, how much he blamed the the Jews or... It doesn't feel right to say the Jews. It's kind of like, like, it's the same thing as saying the Italians... But when you say the Jews, you just, you, you just kind of sound you like... You look uncomfortable when you say it. Yeah. So the Jewish people, Hitler's blaming them. And initially Mussolini is like, yeah, he wasn't really getting behind it. But once they joined regimes, or they started fighting you know, the Axis powers, Italy and Germany fighting side by side, they start making laws that were similar to similar racist laws that were implemented in Germany. I'm going to go through a couple of them. They can't be teachers, doctors, and like all these professions. There's laws where if you are Jewish, you have to leave the country. But they were, again, this like Nazi light where it's like you have to leave the country if you're under 60. Otherwise, you're too old and you've already been here. Or it was like if you've been in the fascist party for 10 years, you can stay. And this is something that it's, it's a sign that as time is going on and Mussolini's kind of cozying up to Hitler more and more, yeah. that he's basically becoming and eventually will just become Hitler's puppet. Yeah. And the laws in Italy start to kind of resemble the laws in Germany. I don't know. I don't think in a, in a world where Germany wins this war, I don't necessarily see it that Germany doesn't just absorb Italy. Yeah, and um, I mean, Germany was absorbing all these countries. Like, when you look up on the map how large Germany was, it became very large. And I, no, I think most likely, and I wonder, I wonder if this is what Mussolini thought, they would be under the same nation and he would probably control a large part of that. Well, I think he thought that it was like Italy and Germany. Yeah. Like that it was going to be all right. Like Italy and Germany, we're going to be, yeah. Italy's going to have the Mediterranean and Germany's going to have inland Europe. I and think you're right. I think you're that's right. That's how like he thought of it in his mind. 
Yeah. But it seemed like Hitler was kind of just being like, okay, okay. And yeah. was going to just, just as a force of nature, was going to just take over Italy. Yeah. And yeah, and then again, like it's uh, Italy and starts morphing into what Nazi Germany is with these, yeah. with these Jewish laws, which Germany criticized it saying it didn't go far enough. But, but the Italian king, I think he, I think him and the Catholic Pope publicly came out and condemned it. All these like just racist laws. So Italy's getting whooped left and right. Mm -hmm. They're losing battles. They, they lose in North Africa and then Germany ends up losing in North Africa. And then Germany's fighting on the Eastern front with the Soviets yeah, and Italy just <laughs> and Germany didn't even tell Italy that they were doing it. Mm, yeah, yeah. And so Italy sends an army to the Eastern Front to because they want to be a part of the battle, and they get decimated like immediately. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point, kind of Mussolini's kind of got his tail between his legs. Like he's just lost militarily every step of the way. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. You have these two countries that are very nationalist. So these, their military is like, like the German military, they're like, we're superior. These Italian military, like it's, it's not up to par, but yet they kind of have to fight side by side, but there's still this clear Mm -hmm. divide and disapproval in some way. A hundred percent. So, and it was in North Africa, I think it was, so it was the British that they were fighting and then it was the U.S. as well was in North Africa fighting. Yeah. As time goes on, the vice grip starts to close because Germany's, we don't have to get too much into Germany's failed expansion, but Germany's fighting the war on two fronts, ends up kind of losing steam. Italy, uh, (laughs) let's just say Italy, Italy goes down first. Yeah, and that's when Mussolini starts to lose his control of the com- country. Is they're losing this war, which number one rule of a dictator: <laughs> don't lose wars. Win the war. Win the war, and then the war is coming to their fronts. They're being bombed by the Allies. Rome, Rome is being bombed yeah. by the Allies, and Rome had like never been bombed before. Yeah, and and so Mussolini is very much losing his control. Yep. After a very long time. Yep. And so the king at this point is kind of thinking that they're on the wrong side. And so they kind of do some re- leadership reshuffling. Yeah. The king and then these top fa- fascist officials, they take Mussolini and they're like, you got to go. Yep. A- including his son-in-law. Yes. Is yep. one of them. Yeah. And so they basically say, all right, we're removing you from power. Yeah. And, and we're doing this. We're going we're gonna to do this secretly with guards. So he walks out of the castle and then he's, and then he's immediately put in custody. Yeah. And immediately he's taken to like Northern Italy and like put it under like armed guard. Yeah. Yeah. For his protection. For his protection. And then there's new government now. Yeah. And then the new government joins the allies. Nice. And then that's the end of the story. Oh, wait. No, it's not. Because Hitler, being Hitler, is like, no, I don't accept this. Yeah. So <laughs> Mussolini's in jail in like 
yeah, in like the Dolomites. Mm-hmm. And so Hitler's sends like a special forces group to, did yeah. you read about this raid that happened? A little bit. So yeah, he sends the SS that they're like secret service mm-hmm. and they fucking fly airplanes. They had like gliders gliders that were being towed behind planes and then they used the gliders and then they came in and they like i think they did a bunch of damage but no shots were fired and they basically just like took control yeah of the compound they very much just alpha like they showed up and they're like yeah they overpowered overpowered them for sure yeah they take mussolini so this is interesting do you think uh why do you think Hitler did this? You think it's because he's a friend, or you think he knows Mussolini has this power and sway, and it's like a political move? I think it's just because he can. Like he only, yeah. like he really didn't expend that much energy, and I think he just wants yeah. to keep Italy destabilized. Yeah, and or at the minimum, mm, yeah, not actively fighting against him from like another angle. Because what he does is he takes Mussolini out. Yeah, he puts him back into Italy. Creates yeah. this puppet, which, like, at this point, Mussolini, it's like, okay, you really are just toothless because you're back in Italy and you're like a puppet leader yeah. under Hitler. Like, it's not even, it's not even like actually Italy anymore. Yeah. Better than custody. And that's a good point. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit of control going on there in this puppet state, but more than anything, it probably creates a more like unstable Italy. Yeah, because Germany took back Rome. So the the king and the new government, they all like kind of fled. So they were kind of on the run. Yeah. And I figure if you kind of have them on the run, then they they aren't going to be like a really and, solid power. It's not you, it's if, not yeah. like they're adding to the list of yeah. And if you are powers. an Italian citizen and you were formerly a fascist and you were like, no, I really liked Mussolini. Like, you know, the economy was great. <laughs> And then, like, no, that like that's the real government. He was like wrongfully outed of his supreme leader position. Yeah, and I think they did it pretty quickly too. Yeah. And then, so they very like, quickly. Yeah. yeah, so they just try to keep it everything. Yeah. Um, but it didn't work out in the end. No. It's, so eventually, Germany's losing the war, and at some point, they're probably moving Mussolini, but he's on a train. Some communists intercept communists who were persecuted by Mussolini's government and they hope they hold like a trial quotes and quotes and then they assassinate him very quick trial (laughs) then they assassinate him and his mistress yeah side note he had a lot of mistresses he had so many mistresses and this, okay, this mistress... You might be a dictator if... Yeah, right? Well, actually, I was going to say that. Like, has there ever been a dictator who's like a loyal, like, husband? Or like a loyal I mean, wife? think about Fidel Castro. He was an absolute... Yeah. Um, voyeur. Like, is there, is like, Kim Jong-un, is he just like a... Like, I don't think, I don't think you can... I don't think, if you're a loyal husband... You were not a dictator. <laughs> He's like, I'm a dictator in the day and a, and a good father at night. <laughs> yeah. But had many mistresses. So this one, like, she didn't have to die with him. She was, like, way too loyal. Yeah. From what I heard. But anyways, he had 
a wife like Raquel? Rachel. <laughs> Rachel. I think it was like, R-A-C-H-E-L-E. So he had this wife and, and she was aware of the mistresses and like she actually put up a stink about it. Good for her. But he had a lot of mistresses and a lot of them were like almost before he was a dictator. Like he, ha- and oh, before he became dictator, and I think a lot of this was in Switzerland and a little bit after that time, he wrote an autobiography or talked about his life then. And he was very descriptively talked about his mistresses, his like affairs. They were very much conquests. General lack of respect. Yeah. Like never convicted, but like for sure raped some women, it seems like, by all accounts. It's just she's not a good guy. Yeah. Not a good guy. Did a lot of unacceptable things. Yeah. And also so after he died, they took his body and hung it up. Yeah. From up, his feet up, and like up, people spit on it. Upside and, down at a gas station. Which at the time I was like <laughs> I read it. I was like, at a gas station. Yeah, couldn't have been many of those. This was in like 1945. Yeah, and so one more topic I want to talk about Mussolini. Mussolini. This is again kind of the dictator, and really hammer in was how conscious he was of his image, and how he knew how to like create a stir and create media. Of course, he he was this former journalist, Mm -hmm. so he knew the power of the media. Yep. Whenever you would see him in public, he'd have his chest puffed out like nothing you've ever seen before. He'd like look up at the, you know, his chin up. Yeah, chin up, chin up for sure. Not a tall guy. He's like five six. Very small. He loved to drive like fast cars and motorcycles. And and so one of the things I thought was kind of crazy, he was involved in his younger years in several duels. Ooh, I didn't know that. Yes, and this is hysterical, but they were illegal in Italy, still very common. And again, this conscious... Frowned upon. Frowned upon. He he would get a ton of publicity about around it, rumors. And the other thing, so I I say duels. What do you think the weapon of choice is? Ooh, the fact that it can't be a pistol. No, but that's what you think, right? Yeah, which but when you say it like that now, of course, I I still haven't guessed. It's a sword. <laughs> sword. And so there was this one duel. That's the police, intense. the police were tailing him. It was very public. People knew it was going to happen. You know, it almost happened one time, but the police hopped out of the garden and stopped it. But then eventually, it happened behind closed doors, and the rumor was. <laughs> that the sword fight went on for one hour and a half, which what? This is like that's like Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> An hour and a half sword fight. Like that's like was that possible? Flips. That's like you're blocking the knife under between your legs. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm just I'm saying it's it's got to be fake. It's so this is my question: publicity stunt. Is sword fighting real or is it like okay? We watched Star Wars. We watched <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. We watched them all swing the swords wildly. wildly. Isn't fencing what yes, sword fighting is? Exactly. Like you just poke people, you just stay really far away and you just poke them. Yeah, you poke them and then in like 10 minutes, someone's bleeding out. <laughs> like for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. The fencing is like seven seconds and then someone's Because poked. you could, if you fenced, you could swing like, if we have any listeners that are, that are fencers, <laughs> fenciers, feel free to 
drop a comment uh, as to whether or not we are correct. But fencing is like they could be swinging their swords at each other, but they don't because it's not the most efficient thing to do. Exactly. That's ex- that was my exact thought is hour and a half bullshit. <laughs> they were like sipping there having tea inside. I mean, a b- behind closed doors duel. Couldn't you just like stab somebody? <laughs> like, we had an epic duel. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let me, let me get the door for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, uh, yeah, I think the bathroom's in there. <laughs> stab. <laughs> it's like, oh. Come yeah. out, yeah, punch yourself in the face a couple times, slice yeah. your leg, yeah. and then come out an hour and a half later, and be like <laughs> sweating, douse yourself in some water. Yeah. No, exactly. And the other thing is, I think they both like survived. So I don't know what the rules were. <laughs> <laughs> they both survived. Yeah. They both lived to tell the tale. <laughs> they got tired. They had to take a nap. <laughs> so this is just, this is like, this is just. <laughs> The fact that they both survived. I hate to say it, but we all know what sword fighting is. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, well, that's that's yeah. great. That's a fun. That's a fun story. I did not. I did not read that. He also, you know, if if it's worth mentioning, it, even as a child, he got expelled from one, I believe, Catholic boarding school because he uh, knifed a kid in the hand. <laughs> yeah, and then. So later on, in his teen years, he he was like at the desk doing something. Some kid hit him in the head with a book, and he had a pen with him, and he stabbed that kid with the pen. And he almost got kicked out of this school for a stabbing incident, but you know they worked it out. Wow, that's really nice. Any and, 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 any yeah. other uh, <laughs> any other positive tidbits? But <laughs> stabbed two people. No, I, he's like he, I have not yeah. stabbed three people in school. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was when he stabbed the the first kid. His mom, you know, dragged him by the ear, made him apologize to the kid. That's but nice. He was expelled for it. <laughs> Unceremoniously expelled from the school. <laughs> yeah, Mussolini, cult personality, yeah. um, get away with the people, and then uh, made some aggressively incorrect tactical errors in World War II and ended up paying the iron price for it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you all for listening. And have a nice week.